0: Welcome into the Solar Insights Podcast. My name is Eric Saar. We've got David Nash here of the 7 Seconds or Less pod. How's it going, David?
1: I'm doing well, Eric. How are you?
0: I'm doing fantastic, despite the Suns game that we just all witnessed, where the Charlotte Hornets destroyed the Suns uh, by 20-ish, I believe, 20. Um, And uh, so uh, we're going to start off though simple. Um, How did you become a Suns fan all the way in Australia there?
1: Uh, it's an interesting question. I, I think I've given this answer a couple of times on Twitter, so a few people listening might have already heard me say it before, but happy to repeat it for sure. So uh, down here in Australia, coverage of the NBA back when I was um, a little fella wasn't quite as extensive as it is now. I watch everything via League Pass, obviously, but, um you know, there's a story I believe David Stern essentially gave away NBA highlights and film um, to some local national channels here um, where I'm from. So they didn't have to pay for that. So that was a, a good marketing decision by David Stern when he was trying to expand the NBA. But uh, even before then, I saw all my NBA basketball via uh VHS tapes that my brother had kind of run into the ground and and finally once he'd finished watching them all uh 10 times or so he would give them on to me to be able to watch so uh I fell in love with Charles Barkley of all people uh when I was watching those tapes and essentially that's how I became a, a Suns fan
0: that's a pretty awesome story <laughs> that's a pretty awesome story <laughs> um just to introduce the, this Suns team that we got going now um, since we haven't ever talked about it, what is your kind of opinion on the Suns team?
1: Uh, I think they're starting again, Eric, as uh, it, kind of harder. It, it is for us to accept that, um, you know, I even probably predicted north of 30 wins this year, getting sucked in a little bit into kind of the pieces that they brought in and, and also being a, a big fan of our head coach. But, uh, you know the more I watch them i I pretty much watch every game down here, uh having league pass i I often watch replays as well when I can um, and you know the the more I watch them, the more I see a team that's you know starting three rookies and uh, has a lot of projects on the roster so uh, as hard as it is for us to swallow, I think a lot of the inconsistency and stuff at the moment comes from the fact that they're a very young team uh with not really many nba caliber players on the team unfortunately and this is something i mentioned a lot last year for that team and it definitely rings true again this year is i think we just have a lot of players that are essentially playing uh out of their role so what i mean by that is uh you know guys playing more minutes than they probably should be in the nba uh guys playing positions that they shouldn't be in the nba and uh you know guys starting when they shouldn't be and and guys playing si- significant minutes off the bench when they probably should be the guys at the end of the bench getting um you know coaches dmp so uh that's the, the state of the team unfortunately which is a little bit depressing but uh i'm a positive person myself and, and still manage to find uh, a lot of bright spots in in every game where i can
0: yeah i am too i definitely was on other pods uh my own other episodes of this pod, just talking about how I thought they would do better, and of some year that is going to come true, and we're going to be really happy about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But until it does, you're right. there's three rookies of beings, just so much, so much good stuff there. But you and I are optimistic, and also kind of. I think you probably know I'm a development trainer. Like I have my own. I call it my kids that I train, and it's it's about finding the different imp- improvements that each player has and, and different ways that they're getting better and one thing i'm just happy about is that everybody kind of likes each other (laughs) and they like actually like like playing and are play hard i mean we haven't really seen very often them lose a game just because of effort in one sense like do do you agree with that
1: yeah i think the effort coming into games has been lacking a little bit so we see those kind of big deficits build straight away but i think that's a good point you by you particularly if you compare, say, this team to last season's team. I think the chemistry is a hell of a lot better. I think the guys seem to like... Being in each other's company, which, you know, from all reports, you know, I'm all the way down here in Australia, but people that cover the team quite extensively, you know, noted last year that the locker room was, was pretty bad. I, I don't think that's the case this year from what we're seeing with, um, you know, the extensive media coverage from blogs and, uh, you know, the athletic coming into Arizona and stuff has also helped us kind of learn more about the team and, and the stuff uh, beyond the basketball court. So that's definitely a positive and you know for all the blowouts and and big deficits of and things we've really seen this team fight to the end in pretty much every game that they've been in maybe give or take a couple particularly when Devin Booker was injured but um you know there are positives there there's always a positive to take you know pretty much from every game i think and you know if we take this Charlotte game as the the most recent example you know Devin Booker looks Back. He looks like his healthy self again, and, um, you know, his line tonight was, um, pretty much what we've come to expect from a healthy Devin Booker. He just couldn't get anyone else to really come along with him tonight, unfortunately.
0: Yes, for those who haven't seen it or whatever, Devin Booker, there's 32 points, 11 assists, no turnovers, and good defense. I mean, did you see that defense he was playing on the perimeter It's incredible.
1: Yeah, he wasn't bad. I think, you know, particularly early on, no one was engaged on that end. Um, which, you know, I think it was 39 first quarter points that they let Charlotte get, which it just isn't good enough. No matter how, um, bad you are from an asset point of view on defense in, in your starting lineup. But yeah, I think we've seen more effort from him on defense this season, which has been an encouraging thing, a, a slight development in his overall game because he just, uh, hasn't really even wanted to try on defense in, in previous years on that end.
0: And the funny thing is I'm watching these games and people say even on the times when he doesn't do good uh, defense, maybe he doesn't put up his hand or he doesn't, he's like, he, they cannot afford if they want to win a game, Booker cannot be in foul trouble. It just is not possible. So if mm-hmm. he gives up a couple points here or there because it's not get a foul called. It's like the right thing to do, whether or not you like that he gave up a basket or not.
1: Yeah. And I think we see his defense pick up in individual games where they're really in the game. So, um, you know, it, It's easy to nitpick at a guy like that and pick, you know, certain plays. I think his closeouts are still really poor for the most part, but, um, you know, not the kind of guy on this team where you can nitpick a, a play or two and say he's still a bad defender. I think if you watch games. Uh, you know, the Toronto game was a great example. You know, as they pulled back into that game, we saw him jumping over screens. You know, we saw him causing uh, turnovers with, you know, even Aiton, uh, of all people, you know, and, and then kind of running out on, on offense from getting uh, stops and, and turnovers on that end. So he is capable of it. Definitely would like to see a bit more consistency, but, uh, an encouraging thing from my standpoint is it, it looks like this front office finally understands the pieces that need to be around him on the defensive end. So the, the big trade for Mikhail Bridges, I think was definitely showing that. And then, you know, being willing to put DeAnthony Melton, uh, next to him in the backcourt for all, uh, Melton's deficiencies on offense, you know, he's just a bulldog on defense and, and the perfect kind of partner for Booker going forward.
0: And then also, I think we're back to the chemistry thing while we're commenting on the same thing. Also, is Kelly Obrey, Obrey, wow, Obrey. Wow, I get yep. it all right every single time until just now. This is so <laughs> um, Kelly Oubre, o- Oubre, Oubre. There it is, Oubre. Kelly Oubre. Um, the fact that they brought him in and then his long—I was—I was so high on him pre-draft. Oh my goodness, I so want the Suns to take him. Yeah. Do you remember if he was in the Warren draft or was it? I he was, it was
1: actually. actually. Yeah, him I and Warren were taken, taken one and, and one and two, and two right after like, each 12,
0: other. So 12-13 then. Uh,
1: 14, 15. Warren was 14 and Ubre was 15. Yeah. In the 2000 and oh yeah, 2014. That's
0: okay. I was so high on him. I'm so happy that they have him just because, um, I tweeted this through the game. I think, I mean, some people were saying Kelly should start for Warren, not because he's necessarily better, but that brings up the question that I want to ask you is yep. who is the second best player on this
1: team? Ooh, that is a very tricky one. I'm just going to correct both of us. I just went and had a quick look. Oubre was the 15th pick, but he was the draft after. So uh, not the not the TJ so Warren draft. The book,
0: so the Booker,
1: yes, yeah. correct.
0: So two spots after Booker then.
1: Yeah, exactly. So w- Washington drafted him. But the second best player on this team uh, right now, little surprised saying it, but uh, I would say that it's DeAndre Ayton.
0: I mean, I guess, yeah, yeah, I guess, but I would say maybe Warren or Ubre, but um, yeah. So the question is, who's the third best then? I guess if you're saying agent,
1: better <laughs> Warren or Ubre. That's uh, an interesting question. I would, I would say Warren, but I'll, I'll give a little bit of a um, asterisk to that. I, I've just come off. Recording my own podcast with Max, my co-host, and uh, you've, anyone who follows me on Twitter has probably seen me say this quite a lot too. I would actually put Ubre in the starting lineup over TJ Warren. Um, that's just more of a fit thing with Booker and Ayton and the rest of the starters. Uh, but I would say that Warren is the third best player on the team, particularly if we go off uh, production so far this year.
0: Yeah, I think I picked up off that, and that's why I kind of why I tweeted it today is that I just continue to I agree with you that. It's, it's the spacing, the defense, the length, and letting TJ kind of do his thing when Booker's sitting, whenever that, the, that minutes are.
1: Exactly. And I think you've always got to have your hat on in these scenarios of, of thinking to the next Phoenix playoff team, however far that may look away right now. I think, um, short term, it's easy to get sucked in and kind of go, you know, we need TJ's points. But I think if you're allowed to think longer term, which I hope Igor is allowed to do, uh say, post-trade deadline, I think, you know, if you're thinking about building this team going forward, it, it makes much more sense to put more defense and length around Aiton and Booker in the starting lineup, and then, as you said, allow TJ to do what he does in the second unit.
0: For sure. What do you think, I mean, you mentioned DeAnthony Melton, I really like the way his stuff he does, but, I mean, is there any, I mean, we can't project too far, but do you think there's any way that he starts for this team after this year?
1: Uh, I think there is. I think it would require him to continue to grow as he has done this season for the rest of the year. So, what, we've got about 30, 35 games left to play. And, um, you know, in the previous, you know, say 15 to 20 that Melton's been in the starting lineup, I think he's made huge strides in terms of his development overall as both a a ball handler um, and, you know, really showing what we thought he could do on defence as well. So, you know, I've been... Uh, Again, on our podcast, talking about his, you know, ceiling of sorts being uh, Patrick Beverly to James Harden on those Rockets teams. So if you're big on Devin Booker, Point Book, however you want to call it, uh, his comparison with a young James Harden, then I think Melton can play that Patrick Beverly pseudo point guard role quite well next to Devin Booker.
0: Yeah, so I agree with that. I think so. Are you a Point Booker like that that is a thing that you want to happen or a thing that is something until they trade for a
1: point guard. Yeah, I'm probably less so than, say, my co-host Max on seven seconds or less. I think he's very much in on on point book. Um, I think right here, right now, he's clearly our best primary initiator. So, you know, if you're a coach, if you're Igor sitting there going, you know, I love having ball handlers on my team, you're going to want to put the ball in, in Booker's hands as much as possible. I could maybe even see us look watching this Charlotte game where Melton didn't start the second half I I could maybe even see Igor going back to the the point book that we saw earlier in the year with no point guard in the starting lineup potentially you know if he does want to get say Oubre in the starting lineup but not at the expense of TJ Warren then he may look at doing that but yeah I'm i'm not a big fan of, of point booker going forward we, again projecting towards a playoff team i would still love a more traditional point guard to be on this team and i think igor has said that a lot this year is he would prefer that booker stay in his more traditional role as a an off-the-ball shooting guard because that's where he's going to be his most effective
0: and i mean you and i see that we see him be more effective when he doesn't always have to initiate when he's yep, able yep. to get i mean he's one of the best shooters ever that's why he went point of shootout that's why and he's improved his defense his ball handling and his passing this year completely i mean i was looking up and I, I i wanted to look it for myself but i looked up and i think today's game might i don't know if it's put in basketball reference yet but i think we'll put it back up right now it's at 6.9 assists per game but it will go back to to seven after the game probably
1: yeah it should each over seven basketball reference are always a, a little further behind than say nba.com i think
0: So just for those people who aren't watching, guess who are the only three people who are averaging 24 points and seven assists? James Harden, Uh, LeBron James, and Devin Booker. It's like...
1: There you go. Yeah, it's funny. Wins are always going to be prioritised for for people voting for the All-Star game, and that's totally fine. You know, I've said this before as well, you know, as upset we as we get as Suns fans that people don't pay attention to our team, unfortunately that's just not going to flip until we start winning more games. So whether it's the Aiton-Dontich conversation, where the book is an All-Star conversation, or, you know, just the Phoenix Suns in general, I think we need to put a better product up in front of the general nba fans to to get more respect that's just the way that it is unfortunately um i think injuries definitely hurt his all-star case this year uh, as i mentioned we just finished recording our own pod and we did a little fun exercise at the end uh, looking at the all-star um teams and the west is just so stacked we we definitely put booker in the conversation that deserved to be talked about but um if he didn't have those injuries and still had this production you know the suns would probably have a few more wins on the board and i think he'd probably have more of an argument over some of those guys that are going to get in over him
0: like the clippers and spurs guys yeah for sure yeah Twice Harris, uh Demarcus Grosen, rosen uh etc um yeah so we got a couple of questions from twitter which is kind of cool so um, Guru at AZ spokesperson was saying, if you could trade TJ and get a power forward or a point guard, which one would you take? So I think, for to, to set it up before we do, though, I would prioritize a, a point guard over a power forward by a whole bunch, right?
1: Yeah, but I, I do think that they're a lot closer than some people think. I think you know we talk about point guard, um, you know, helping Booker out a lot and helping the team out. I think. We kind of underrate what DeAndre Ayton has been able to do without a, you know, really any power forward on the roster. So I'm all for chasing, you know, a floor spacer, good defender type power forward uh, if one becomes available. And uh, in terms of trading for one, I don't really know how TJ Warren fits into it. To be honest, it's really hard to gauge TJ Warren's trade value around the league um, because he is just such a unique one-off player. It's hard to see. Uh, what te- you know what teams would value and what they'd be willing to give up for him but you know if you project forward to the free agency class of uh the point guards versus the power forwards i'd actually probably look to trade for a power forward before the deadline and then i'd hold off on point guard um, until free agency because there's just a lot more options
0: so i guess i want to talk about some specifics then so um Uh, Yeah, I think TJ's peak as soon as he got the three point line, three point shot, and then also those games about maybe about a week or two ago, where they were just stealing the ball from everybody and picking it off, and TJ would just like take it from them and then just run up the court. I think it's it's definitely higher now, and we have uh, more ability to know that they can they can actually he can actually get something something back here um, if they try to trade him. Uh, So that's one thing. Uh, the other is, who would they, what kind of power forwards were you thinking?
1: Yeah, and that's, that's a really hard, um, discussion. It's, it's actually really hard to gauge this trade deadline. It's only, um, you know, just over two weeks away because they've brought it forward even more. Um, and we're really in this state of flux particularly because of how competitive the Western conference is of you don't really know who the selling and buying teams are just yet. So even looking around for point guard options, you know, there's been a few rumors, Dennis Smith, Jr. uh, I saw today Corey Joseph is, potentially up for trade in Indiana because they want to um, add more minutes for uh, young Aaron Holiday on that team. Um, but then in terms of power forwards, we really haven't seen much in the rumor mill in terms of guys that might be available. So uh, a really hard one to to think about. And then if we're factoring in TJ Warren specifically, um, you're looking at you know, $10 million, $11 million in salary to to match up with. So um, there's not many power forwards in the league that are available at that kind of salary.
0: So I would do, I would be, for me, I'm thinking less about the power forward because you have four wings that you can, you should be playing as much as you can. Yeah. Like like there is, you don't have to worry about power forward because you have Oubre, uh, Jackson, Warren, and Bridges to play in those three wing spots. And Yeah. yeah. And you have to play Booker at the shooting guard as much as you can. So um I'm not as worried about that. But what do you think about either Conley or Kemba in a trade?
1: Yep. Um I guess just touching off your wings thing, I think, you know You make a lot of sense in terms of you do need to give minutes to all those guys while they're on the roster because they're in various situations of needing to, um, you know, analyze their play going forward. Obviously, Ubre, you need to, uh, you know, see how he projects going forward with the core because. He's a restricted free agent this year. Uh, Warren's locked in a little longer but is playing well enough that, you know, deserves 25, 30 minutes a night. Uh, Josh is still developing, so you want to give him minutes as long as you can. And and Mikael Bridges has probably been the, um, you know, standout in terms of defense on, you know, of the wing. So you you probably want to play him as much as you can as well with a team that is lacking so much in defense. But the flip side of that is I think this team's really hurting, in both defense and rebounding by not playing a traditional power forward. So that's why, you know, if you can send one of the wings out in a deal, maybe it's TJ, I think you still need to look at deals like that. Going back to your question of if, if Kemba or Conley, uh, I'm always going to lean the younger guy if um, guys are close in, I guess, overall value. So I would definitely lean Kemba Walker over Mike Conley if it's uh, choosing one of the two. I mean, they're like a year apart, right? A little, little more than that. Kemba's about 28, and I think uh, Conley's uh, just turned 31.
0: Oh, my. Okay. Thank you for getting that. For me, I was prioritizing the defense over – over. I mean, Conley's a couple inches taller and significantly better at defense. Um, so that's one reason to to go for Conley, possibly, possibly because it's – people – it's – you're not going to – you can't – because of the way contracts work and how long they are and you can only have so many super maxes and huge contracts, you can't have all the people in the same, like, tax bracket almost at the same time. So mm-hmm. it's not a horrible thing for Kemba or Conley to be on the roster for four years, develop, develop, everybody else is getting into their prime, and then you get a different one that's younger than these guys. So, like, it's just, it's not, you're not, real. people have this thing where they're like, every, the timeline, right? Everybody has to yeah. be the same age. It's like, well, no, they, you can have half of it be in this bracket, half in this bracket, and a couple of outliers because that's how you build a roster.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's also how you you take advantage of having so many rookies on um on your team playing significant minutes. So, you know, Booker's is obviously about to kick into his max extension, so it doesn't apply for him anymore, but you know, a, particularly a guy like DeAndre Ayton who you've still got locked up for the next uh, three years after this one on his rookie scale contract, you, you can afford to offer some big money or trade for big money salary, uh, while he and maybe Mikhail and maybe Josh, if he sticks around for a couple more years, are, are on their rookie scale deal. So that's definitely a, a good point. I just think, you know, I, I'm definitely not ruling Mike Conley out completely, but if you give me those two guys together, I would just edge Kemba, but, you do make a good point that you know Conley's archetype if he wasn't uh so old and and with that current contract that he's on I'd be very interested in it because you know I talk quite a lot about the the type of player that you want next to Devin Booker in the backcourt and there being kind of three boxes you want to tick in terms of defense uh off the ball shooting from 3 and then additional playmaking and and Conley is one of very few players that can tick all three of those boxes.
0: And he has the leadership and the veteran status to help the team that's this young, definitely. Do you think that Kemba and Booker could play enough defense to be okay long-term?
1: I think they'd be okay if you could build, uh, you know, a switchy defense around them. So, you know, trading for a guy like Bridges, again, I think, like I mentioned before, shows that this front office is at least thinking about how you have guys around, guys like Devin Booker and you know at some point you have to bite the bullet you know a a Kemba Booker offense would be that good that uh you could afford uh you know whatever bad defense is maybe going to come out of those two and then you know maybe you add uh bridges um you can Ubre, Aiton—they're still very high on being that eventual defensive anchor that's going to clean up a lot of your mistakes. He's made progress there, but he is a rookie again. Um, so yeah, I think you could roll with Walker and uh, Booker, you know, purely because of how dynamic they would be on the offensive end.
0: Why don't we discuss the other player? You said you saw this wait hole uh, the free agency season. Who were you thinking of the Suns should go after?
1: Well, I think Uh, we need need to be be realistic. realistic. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think, think, you know, the the highest name on the free agency list is Kyrie Irving. Uh, We've already been there before in terms of potentially trading for him, and he was not interested in staying in Phoenix more than likely, so you can pretty much rule him out. Uh, Another guy in the the Walker mold that would just – um be awesome offensively and probably at a little bit more size than Kemba can is D'Angelo Russell, who's just playing out of his mind at the moment. Uh, he's also very good friends with Devin Booker, so uh you might be able to convince him to come to Phoenix. He is a restricted free agent, though, so you always need to be wary of those guys because they can be matched by their uh current teams. And then there's probably some more logical lower-end type point guards that you could... Uh, have come in there's quite a few that i could rattle off but uh, i've been on the ricky rubio train for a little while for phoenix he's got a bit of a history with our head coach igor as well and um, you know as far as wanting a traditional playmaking type point guard i think someone like rubio would be awesome for this team
0: i love ricky rubio i always remember this quote that i heard when he was close to when he was a rookie where everybody around him his
1: whole teammates were all sad and he's
0: like change your face smile get in the game that's hilarious (laughs) You'd be good. Yeah, Are a
1: positive, you a, but yeah. Positive guy to have around, and, um, you know, that's what you want to add if you're Phoenix, and, you know, he's, as I said, got that connection with Igor, which, in terms of learning the system and learning sets, uh, I think it would be a pretty seamless transition for a guy like Ricky.
0: And you think, he, what is he, like 28,
1: 27? Yeah, he probably sits somewhere in the middle of Kemba and Conley, although you do always, uh, get tricked by ricky rubio because he came in so young as a player so um i'm just going to look him up now to be honest because yeah, i'm not quite sure
0: in europe though too
1: yeah so he's bas- basically the same as kemba he's 28 he'll be uh 29 when the next season starts basically
0: yeah that'd be, that'd be interesting are you a anti-terry rozier guy
1: I am an anti-Terry Rozier guy. I think he's uh, extremely overrated by the Suns fan base who want him. Uh, I think ever since the rumors came out about him maybe joining Phoenix, he's been you know pretty much nothing but bad. For that Boston team and, uh, he doesn't tick those boxes that I look for. He's a decent defender, but he's not a great playmaker. I think if you look at his overall assist numbers, he's pretty bad if you're expecting him to be a primary ball handler. Uh, and he's a pretty bad off the ball shooter as well. So he ticks baby, basically half a box of my three things that I'm looking for. And, uh, even though I said that there's, um, you know, not many guys that tick all three boxes. You'd, you'd at least want two of those boxes ticked if you're going to go hard after someone.
0: Which is yeah, and I was I was never high on him in terms of bringing him over. It's like it's I would be more happy with a Spencer Dinwiddie. Obviously, got the deal, but that doesn't mean he's untradeable. Um, because that he he fits more what you want, especially since I heard the podcast of Zach Lowe and him as a person. It's really a good would be a good person to go after. I like the DeAndre Russell too. same thing. That's a, good, that's a good some good picks there.
1: Yeah, I think D'Angelo, you know, obviously a restricted free agent. Um, we've mentioned on our podcast a few times, you you're probably really rooting for Brooklyn to aim high and, and hit on someone uh at the really upper end of free agency you know like a Kevin Durant or one of those big free agents because then they will they won't have the money to match on a guy like D'Angelo Russell and you might be able to sneak in if if Brooklyn strike out in some of their other targets then you're probably going to get matched on even a max salary for D'Angelo particularly the way that he's playing right now it's just popped
0: in my head you're talking power forwards what do you think I've always been on this train and it always changes like in terms of overrated underrated what do you think of going after Kevin Love
1: he's definitely on my list um, of someone that I could see the Suns going after not necessarily my own personal list um, but you know that contracts in terms of the big money that guys get it's not actually um, you know right up there with with big max contracts that some of these guys are on that you want to stay away from uh, the health is obviously a, a concern um, and what you would have to give up for a guy like Love. You know, our cap sheet sits in a scenario where you basically have to trade Ryan Anderson, um, which means that you – well, you want to, but you're also going to have to attach picks to to get Cleveland to take that salary. So the fact that we don't have any other expiring matching salary like Tyson Chandler and Trevor Ariza anymore makes it harder. Um, yeah, but – Easiest way I'd summarise that is it's definitely a guy I could see Phoenix going after. It would really come down to what we end up giving up about whether I would support it or not. But, you know, great rebounder, great floor spacer for Aiton. Defence is probably a little bit suspect between the two right now. But if you're still high on Aiton becoming a really good NBA defensive centre, then, um, you know, the love fit would, would probably be pretty good.
0: Yeah, I've always been a really big fan of Love, and uh, I think he just—I feel so bad for him with the whole of trying to play with LeBron. I mean, do you remember like quote unquote fat Kevin uh, Kevin Love in Minnesota? He was so stinking good.
1: I do remember Fat Kevin Love. I think if you look at uh, Kevin Love now versus Kevin Love that was in Minnesota, it, it almost looks like a different person.
0: And he's just such a good shooter, such a good playmaker, such a good guy. So I think he'd be good to bring in. I think I think we have seen the flashes of Aiton that the defense would be okay for sure, especially in the future. Um, so that's that. I have another question here, and I think this is interesting. We haven't touched on it much. Someone, said, uh, Cody James uh, Hunt said, how much faith do you have that Josh Jackson will become a positive impact NBA player? I'll let you start
1: off. Uh, if I was putting it on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd probably put it as a 3 or a 4 right now, in that I don't have very much faith. I'm still very much a believer in Josh Jackson's talent as an NBA player. Um, something that isn't talked about a lot, um, at least by the majority of people, but I think that is a really important point when it comes to guys trying to find their way in the NBA is I think Josh believes that he's like a one or two option still on a team because that's what he's been his whole career as a junior and a college player. Um, and it's just not him. I think he needs to go through, you know, what I would call the Andre Iguadala path of, um, you know, getting traded somewhere, you know, Iggy, for people that have been watching the NBA for a long time, was basically the number one option on a really bad Philadelphia team, and then all of a sudden became a finals MVP on the Warriors because uh, that team had three or four other options, and Iggy could just do the stuff that he does really well and wasn't expected to do too much more. I think if Josh can... Uh, realize that that's what his role in the NBA is, I think he could still be a really, really good NBA player. If he continues to fight against that and think that he's, you know, a Devin Booker type or a, even a second option on a good team, um, I think we're going to see him uh, out of Phoenix at least pretty, pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I get, I get the Andre Godala stuff, but I unless I'm sort of mistaken, I think Andre Godala is an all-star, which, is, I mean, Andre Iguodala, I remember him in his prime and stuff. He was pretty good, so I, I don't know how I mean, it's pretty close. Obviously, in terms of their skill set, I, I do think that Josh has gotten on board because the shot selection has gotten better recently. Yeah, um, definitely. And also, I mean, man, thank goodness I always skip tweeting. I'm like every Josh Jackson offensive possession is an adventure. You're like, <laughs> I'm like I'm yelling at my TV. I'm like, don't do it, shoot, shoot. I'm like, he's, I'm telling my people sitting with me. I'm like, he's gonna shoot it. And then he shoots it. and I'm like, don't do that, Don't shoot that. <laughs> and then he makes it. and I'm like, well, now he's gonna shoot three more of them. But yep, yep. he's he's improving his shot. It's it looks a little bit better. You can still get the hitch out. I wish he would come see me and I could we could I could fix his hitch in that shot. Same thing with Mikael Bridges. But but Josh needs. But his defense is a little bit better. And having Ubre to kind of like it's all it's, it's obvious. Ubre is a better. Um, like playmaker in the offense. So him and TJ doing the offensive stuff when Booker's on there, it almost forces Josh to not be that, but he can move more than we thought he could as a, when he was coming in the NBA and playmaker a little bit.
1: Yeah. I, I'd almost argue that Josh is probably, you know, far in a way a better playmaker than those two guys that you, real, uh, that you mentioned there. But uh, the problem with Josh is he just tries to do too much. We have seen him start to play within himself a little bit more, as you said. Uh, his catch-and-shoot numbers are a lot better in these kind of last 15 or 20 games, and he's not taking as many of those bad kind of pull-up mid-ranges as well. He's finishing at the rim. I'm not sure on the numbers on that, but just by the eye test watching every game, he seems to be uh looking a lot stronger and kind of finishing rather than falling away from the basket, which is um good progress. Uh But, yeah, he just needs to find his niche in the NBA, and I think he's slowly getting there. Um, he's fighting it a little bit, but, um, you know, I trust our development guys at the moment. I think they've got him on the right path to at least becoming the player that they want him to be. The rest is kind of with Josh right now.
0: So the weird we were talking about these wings, there's four of them. It's like, who's going to stick around for the, when the Suns make the playoffs? I have no idea.
1: Yeah, the the only one I'd bank on right now is Mikael Bridges. Um, you mentioned the, the hitch in his shot, which is very, very frustrating right now. But uh, hopefully he can uh, get through that and get back to the Villanova kind of sweet stroke that we remember um, from the national championship. But, uh, you know, I just think I tie, I think people forget just how much uh, the Suns gave up for Mikhail Bridges in that draft day trade it was essentially two first round picks. So whenever I see him thrown in to trades with, uh, you know, an additional first round pick, you know, people are essentially giving up three first round picks for. Um, you know, a point guard or something like that. And I know you can't look at things that way all the time. You know, what's done in the past is the past. But I also think that it, um, you know, really shows just how high the front office is on Mikael Bridges. He's the perfect complement piece to Aiton and Booker too.
0: You hear people like give away Mikael Bridges. I'm like, do you want the defense to be worse?
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: So, yeah, that's... um have any other final questions here? I think we've got covered a lot of stuff here.
1: We did cover a, quite a bit of ground. It was uh, an enjoyable chat, so thanks for having me on. And, um, yeah, unless you've got anything else that you want to talk about, we can probably leave it there.
0: I think we can. Uh, why don't you uh, plug your podcast and your Twitter handle, and we'll get out of here.
1: Yep, so I'm at the four-point play on Twitter. Uh, my name's David Nash, for anyone who didn't catch that at the start. Uh, and I also um, host a sons podcast like this one that eric has which is at sol pod on twitter as well where the seven seconds or lo- less podcast if you want to look us up we're a couple of older sons fans who remember those uh better glory days in the purple and orange so um thanks to anyone listening to me for the first time and and thanks to you eric for having me on
0: thank you for coming on david and by the way the four in his uh handle is the roman numerals so Make sure to do that. Otherwise, it'll be hard to find it. Um it is. Or, just up, or just look up David Nash. Anyway, um, so for my plugs, plug my stuff. I got my Twitter is at Eric underscore Sar, underscore S-A-A-R. Uh, you can find my podcast, this one, Solar Insights, on SolarInsights.net or on Spotify, iTunes, etc. I also have a basketball training business, EliteHoopsDevelopment.com for those in Arizona, and a marketing business, Slingshot Media Consulting. Uh, thanks for coming on, David, and everybody have a great night.
1: Thank you.